Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. If you're a woman in perimenopause or postmenopause and finding that you're gaining weight in the midsection, you'll want to listen to what we have to say today. Mm-hmm. In this episode of the Queen of Hearts podcast, we're chatting about why we often develop a meno belly in the first place, <laughs> why it's so unhealthy for our hearts, and most importantly, what we can do to prevent it or minimize it. I'm Heather Klug. And I'm Bethany DeBrew Adams. And we're from the, the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center. A meno belly, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've heard many names for weight gain in the belly area, <laughs> but I hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah, you like that? I, I do. I, I do. just came up with it. Okay. I've also heard meno pot. Oh, that's. No, I don't like no, that No, you one. don't like that one? No. Yeah, that sounds a little yucky. Um, and middle-aged spread. No. No, you don't like that either? That sounds like something you put on like your pancakes. Oh, okay. Or something. <laughs> I don't like that. Let's just take it off of that area and put it on my toast. Right? <laughs> well, whatever you decide to personally call this, we want our listeners to prevent the unwanted weight gain if possible, or at least minimize it. Uh, yeah, agreed. The main reasons have to do, obviously, with health concerns, which we're going to get into in a little bit. In part three of our perimenopause series, we alluded to why we personally wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about this topic. It's a main concern for both of us as we edge closer and closer, ever closer to that menopausal transition. And I'm already starting to notice that unfortunately, it's getting easier to gain weight Mm-hmm. As opposed to lose weight, especially compared to when I was in my 20s and 30s, because I yeah. remember I remember that first little hit of weight, like in your 20s, when okay. you start to get that little creep. Yeah. And then I bounced back really well in my 30s. Okay. And, and now, not, not so much. So hmm. what about you, Heather? I think you look great. Well, but- I've always had to be careful because... I think I've always just kind of gained weight really easily and had a tough time losing it, even in my teens. I feel like I had to be pretty careful when you're supposed to have this really awesome metabolism. Sure. I don't think I ever really had that. But especially since I hit my 40s, I'm finding that I really have to watch what I eat even more closely. Yeah. And I have to exercise regularly. There it is right there. Mm -hmm. That's the Mm -hmm. kicker. Menopausal waking also concerns me because I feel like I don't have control over my hormones changing. Well, you really don't. (laughs) I know. I know. I just, uh, I don't like not having that control. Yeah, I hear you. The more I've learned about this, though, the better I feel about the whole process because I know there are many things I am in control of. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that. So let's get into why women tend to gain weight during perimenopause and beyond. Why? Why, Heather? Why? Why do we gain weight? Why? Tell me why. Well, I'd love to blame it all on the hormones. Blame it on the hormones. Although hormones may be partially responsible. The North American Menopause Society says that there's no scientific evidence that menopause is responsible for midlife weight gain. What? I know. (laughs) Well, because that's what we always hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they do go on to say that the main culprits are aging and lifestyle. Uh, Okay, but part of aging 
is your hormones changing, <laughs> right? So they have yeah. to factor in somewhat, right? Like right. maybe the shift of fat to your midsection, for example. Yes. Many doctors believe that the drop in estrogen levels during perimenopause and postmenopause changes the body composition and then where fat gets distributed. Okay. Just like what you were saying. Many women are pear-shaped before perimenopause, right? Meaning you have fat in the lower half of your body, the hips, butt, and thighs. I am not that girl. Yes, I'm very pear-shaped. <laughs> very much so. Bethany's a little more the other shape that I'm going to talk about I am either a next. rectangle or an <laughs> apple. <laughs> We're so. not sure what shape Bethany is. No, I'm just kidding. During perimenopause, this will start to shift to the abdominal area, so around the belly button, mm-hmm. leading to more of what we call an apple shape. The exact mechanism So flattering. Yes, isn't it? The exact mechanism or reason why fat gets distributed to the abdominal area isn't fully understood, though. But you mentioned aging and lifestyle factors before as factors in this menopausal weight gain. Mm -hmm. So does the aging have to do with like a change in your metabolism? Is it true that your metabolism starts to slow down? Because we've all heard that. We've talked about it some, but... Yes, Now, I know there was that recent study just Mm -hmm. a few weeks back. I don't fully trust that one. (laughs) I know they say your metabolism doesn't change until you hit like 60. But I don't know. I've seen other studies, and there's the SWAN study we're going to talk about later. They Mm -hmm. did actually show that your resting metabolic rate, or they called it a resting energy expenditure, that it is lower postmenopause compared to perimenopause. But that is correct. You know, as we all age, each decade we lose a small amount of lean muscle, right? Mm -hmm. Or lean muscle mass, and then the fat mass increases. And when we lose muscle, then metabolism slows down. That is correct. Now, it's a tiny shift, but when metabolism shifts downward, so do your overall calorie needs, unfortunately. Which is something I've learned by working with you. Yes. (laughs) Because you tell me these things. Yes. I mean, your body burns fewer calories on a day-to-day basis. Unless you start intentionally eating less or purposefully exercising more to make up for this, (laughs) Right. you know, you're going to gain weight. So a woman in her 50s burns approximately 200 fewer calories per day than a woman in her 30s. So let's say it was in, you know, the 1500s in your 30s. So now in your 50s, you might be down in the 1300s. I'm just giving that as an example. Okay. It's going to be different from woman to woman. But, you know, taking in an extra 200 calories a day above what your body needs Mm -hmm. eventually leads to a 20-pound weight gain. Again, if you don't do something to make up for that. Right. Or burning 200 fewer calories per day through exercise Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference, right? A recent study from southern Brazil showed that, I didn't even know this was a word, sedentariness. Oh, okay. So not being very physically active, (laughs) rather than actual menopause itself, is associated with a twofold increased risk of overweight and obesity. Yikes. So they're saying it wasn't menopause, it was the fact that we're just not moving and burning calories. Okay, so those little little extras unfortunately folks they do make a difference Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that more in a bit but is there any connection at all between changes like give me some hope here please (laughs) let me blame something other than myself for this problem so you might feel better after i tell you this okay so yes there is a little bit of hope here so 
The SWAN study, you've heard us mention it before. Dr. Galatska has talked about this. It yep. stands for Study of Women's Health Across the Nation. So they actually tracked several thousand women. They tracked their weight, their BMI, their percent lean muscle mass, percent body fat, and along with women's uh, final menstrual periods and changes in hormones such as estradiol and FSH. So they knew when they, these women officially went through menopause and researchers saw some interesting correlations. Ooh, do tell, <laughs> do tell. So I do want to point out that they are correlations though, right? So mm. still not proving that menopause is the sole cause of the weight gain that occurs around this time. Okay. But weight gain starts in perimenopause with a pretty linear trajectory. So kind of a steady increase. If you okay. watch it, it just kind of steadily goes up. Is this the chart you showed me before? It is the chart I showed okay. you before because I was like, oh no. Yeah, that so, was terrifying to hear. So on that chart, the weight started to go up about five years before the final menstrual period, right? Okay. So if a woman was 51, starting at age 46, that's when her weight would start to creep up. And again, it was just a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. a pound a year or something like that, right? The good news is weight gain stops at some point post-menopause. At some point. Yeah, usually it's about one and a half to two years after okay. that final menstrual period. And then it stabilizes, but it does do that at like the higher level. So you've gained this weight. <laughs> and it's going to stay there. <laughs> and then there. it kind of stays there for a while. So that's the good news. It doesn't keep just going up and up and up. In the two years prior to the final menstrual period and two years after, what the chart shows is accelerations in both a decrease in lean body mass, so we're losing muscle, Mm -hmm. and an increase in fat mass. But there was a much bigger increase in the fat mass. Oh, yeah. It was a tiny drop in the lean mass. Right. But it was like a big old steep incline. Basically, we're losing some muscle, but we're gaining more fat. A whole lot of fat. Yes. Now, the average weight gain was approximately four pounds. This still surprises me, although that's the average. So If women, you look at the chart, you would think it was a lot more I than know. four pounds. I know. For the average participant, fat mass increased 3.6% and lean mass decreased 1.9% over the menopausal transition. So okay. again, it was bigger with the, the fat mass gain. All right? Mm-hmm. Weight then stabilizes post-menopause, but there continues to be a slight decrease in lean muscle mass and a slight increase in the fat mass. Ugh. Yeah. I know. Research is also showing, this was interesting to me. I don't want to get too in the weeds and all the science-y stuff, but you know I like that. Yes. Because it's kind of fascinating. Heather likes weeds. Yes. Well, no. but (laughs) In this respect. I guess science weeds. Research is also showing estradiol and FSH, that's follicle-stimulating hormone, as regulators of energy balance. Okay. Okay. There's an accelerated drop in estradiol, that's that estrogen, and a rapid increase in FSH two years before the final menstrual period and two years after that final menstrual period. Hmm. You know, and what's interesting to me is they're finding that estradiol affects many different things, uh, all these different pathways, including the central nervous system, control of food intake, and energy expenditure, regulation of like adipose tissue, lipid storage and metabolism, Mm -hmm. and also insulin sensitivity. Oh, okay. And in rodent studies, a decrease in estradiol has been shown to decrease resting metabolic rates. So again, that's the number of calories you burn overall. A decrease in spontaneous physical activity and a greater calorie intake. So to me, there's got to be something going on with the hormones a little bit. 
you've made me very depressed. Oh, I didn't give you any hope. Yeah, oh. that's just a little. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. It sounds like hormones may play somewhat of a role, mm-hmm. but you mentioned lifestyle is a factor for menopausal weight gain. So. Because, ladies, a lot of the responsibility is falling on us. Yeah. So we need to talk about the lifestyle reasons for menopausal waking. Yes. Even though I'm sure we know what a lot of these are. <laughs> yes. And there are several here. I'm sure. You're not alone. <laughs> yes. I'm sure our listeners can relate. Think of your average woman in perimenopause and postmenopause and what they are dealing with on a daily basis. Oh, let's see. We've got a job or career. We've got mm-hmm. kids. We've got mm-hmm. aging parents. We've got complaining partners. We've got a little bit of stress here and a little bit of stress there. Yes. And these demands may mean that a woman's needs get put on the back burner. Shocking. We hear this so much. Surprise. Taking care of others means obviously less time for yourself to eat healthy, to exercise, even get enough sleep. And we've talked about stress so many times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And extra demands, da-da-da, they equal more stress and when we're stressed we might eat foods that aren't as healthy for us and we may not exercise or we may deal with stress by developing other unhealthy habits such as drinking alcohol and staying up too late streaming tv shows yeah that one i'm guilty of, or scrolling through just social media endlessly or whatever yeah yeah sadly yes and that's often why middle age is called the sandwich generation isn't it (laughs) women especially are often taking care of both children and our pets if you have them at home Mm -hmm. and older parents and they are caught in the middle those increased demands can lead to unwanted weight gain over time which can lead lead to several health problems. So let's chat about those health problems related to weight gain. Since, you know, we are focused on women in heart disease, I know that an increased risk for heart disease is one of the big ones. Correct, Bethany. Yep. So I think we've talked about this before. Weight gain, especially in the belly area, mm-hmm. increases risk for heart disease. And excess weight makes our heart work harder to push blood through the blood vessels. So blood pressure goes up. Often cholesterol levels are also affected, right? Mm-hmm. Usually what women will see on average is their LDL, lousy cholesterol, will go up about 10 to 15%. Oof. And your triglycerides glycerides the same amount and then you may see a slight decrease in the HDL cholesterol too that's the healthy good stuff and then excess fat in the abdominal area also increases the risk of developing pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes now November is diabetes awareness month Mm -hmm. last year we talked about pre-diabetes and how it's like the check engine light for the body and should be taken seriously we also had an episode with tips on managing diabetes throughout the holidays So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll have a link to those episodes in the video. All right. Sounds good. Now, waking in the abdominal area has also been shown to increase risk for some cancers, especially breast cancer, endometrial, colon, rectal cancer, liver cancer, (laughs) thyroid cancer, stomach cancer. Some cancers. All those organs. Most cancers. Okay. A lot of cancers. Not all of them, but many of them. (laughs) So I think we all know that excess weight in the belly area increases the risk for like we said, heart disease, Mm -hmm. these other conditions. But this is another good reminder, especially for women going through the menopausal transition. Mm -hmm. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Right. So 
let's quick before we go here, let's shift gears to how we can prevent or at least please tell me how to minimize weight gain during this perimenopausal transition. All right. So here comes the hope, Bethany. You keep telling me there's hope, so this better be it. This is the whole part. (laughs) There are many things women can do to prevent or slow weight gain, right? But Mm -hmm. I will share with our listeners five main tips. These tips are also helpful if you have gained weight and would like to lose that. All right. Okay, first tip. I know you've heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. Focus on fiber, ladies. Okay. All right? We need to be filling our body or eating plenty of those foods high in fiber each day. Foods that have fiber in them also contain water. Water plus fiber is super, super filling. Yes, it'll make you feel very, very full because it takes up a lot of space in your stomach, expands those stomach sensors, and you feel really full. And then those foods, because they do have fiber, they break down nice and slowly, so they keep you fuller longer. Longer. So you may be less likely to overeat at a meal, and you're going to be less likely to maybe do mindless snacking. Speaking of snacking, is Mm -hmm. there any tips for that? Yes, that is my second second tip. Snacking? Snacking tip. (laughs) So my second tip is to snack carefully. Okay. All right. Snacking has kind of gotten out of control in this country. Mm-hmm. When we were growing up, do you remember eating as many snacks? No, because I we I never like had we like playing. snacks during school. We <laughs> yeah. never like maybe you'd get a little something when you got home, but that was about it. It wasn't right. like I don't remember like snacking so often no. during the day. Have an apple. That's my mom. <laughs> You're hungry, have an apple. I like your mom. That's a good tip. <laughs> All right. So with the snacks, try to really only snack between meals if you're actually truly hungry. I think sometimes we're eating stuff because it's there. Yeah. It looks good. It smells good. Take a minute and really evaluate whether or not you're hungry. Right. Sometimes we're actually even thirsty when we think we're hungry. So maybe drink a big glass of water. Wait a good 15 minutes. Distract yourself. Don't even think about food because that might stimulate gastric juices. Really ride out those cravings. okay? Okay. Instead of just automatically going to the snack. And then I would highly, highly recommend you limit that evening snack. That's probably the hardest one for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. try to not eat after dinner. I want people to really get a good 12 hours between when you finish eating dinner at night to when you eat breakfast again the next day. Because your body's already kind of like slowing down. Right. And it needs that break to really just kind of um, repair and rejuvenate things. So if okay. you keep giving it food, you're messing up that whole process. But, right? if, but if you can't just say no, okay. is there a type of snack you should eat that's better? Yes. So my recommendation there for healthy snacks, think of something that has protein or fiber in it. And okay. if you want to do both, she's watching me do stuff with my hands, sorry. <laughs> Protein plus fiber is a powerful snack combination, okay? Because right. the protein takes a little longer to break down. And then, again, the fiber slows down a little bit, too. It's just going to hang around a lot longer in your body, and it keeps your blood sugar levels a little more stabilized, okay? All right. So good examples are like, you know, a handful of nuts. You could even put in a little bit of dried fruit in there if you'd like. Here's where the apple comes in that mm. your mom tells you to eat, but add a little cheese to it. Okay. Like string cheese would be good something along those lines it could be you know peanut butter on a slice of whole grain toast 
right? Something just really little like that. Sure. Okay. Remember, we're keeping the portion size small, so we're not going overboard with the calories. Yes. Okay. And trust me, if you even just watch that evening snack, I bet over time you'll find, ooh, that's easily 200 calories, right? It's Mm -hmm. not a huge thing you'd have to do to just cut back on the calories a tiny little bit. Sure. All right. My third tip for all of you is to limit the liquid calories. Yes. Don't drink your calories. Yes, because they're empty calories. Yes. I mean, they taste good. I can't argue with that part. Right. But there's really no <laughs> nutritional value to it. And it's not satiating yeah. at all. So, and that means anything with calories in it, yes. right? So alcohol is one of the biggies, especially dun, dun, those dun. fruity drinks. But any type of alcohol, fruit drinks, mm-hmm. and even sometimes fruit juices I would put into this category too. Just because okay. they break down so quickly in your body. I mean, that's why they tell people with low blood sugar reactions to drink juice because it'll bring your right, exactly. <laughs> blood glucose levels up within like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay? So watch the liquid calories because they go down easy, mm-hmm. but you'll you'll be packing in like several hundred calories without even thinking about it. Right. And then they go through your digestive system so quickly you're hungry again. Yeah. Okay? What about some tips that don't have to do with food because now I'm hungry. All right. So my fourth tip has to do with movement. So we've talked about this on the podcast too. So this is probably no surprise. And we talked about earlier the importance of exercise, right? And Mm -hmm. moving. So here's where we just really need to make movement a priority. Yeah. Lots of ways to do this, but I want you to think about two things. So one is called NEAT. So this is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is all the movement we do outside of structured exercise. Okay. So it's just stuff you do around the house, just, you know, parking picking the up, car and walking in. Picking you know. up some laundry that's on the floor. Right. Those it's kinds picking of Picking up your kids' toys, okay. all that kind of stuff. And this is something that's been dwindling over the last several decades. Mm-hmm. People used to burn, you know, about 500, 600 more calories a day than we do these days. Because right. We have so many labor saver devices and because we sit a lot more than we used to. This is true. Or if you're a person who used to have a job where you were on your feet and moving around and you moved to a desk job, mm-hmm. you may find you didn't change anything with your eating because I hear this a lot from people. Oh, yeah. They moved to a desk job and they gain about 15, 20 pounds that Ooh. first year. Yeah, I they believe don't Because they forget, oh, I'm not moving as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is often several hundred calories a day. So it's a big one. So Sit less, kind of be on your feet and move around a little bit more. And then the structured exercise, we all know about that, but trying to fit that in. Lots of different ways you can do that, but remember to fit it in when you can. If you can, try to get into a schedule with it, but start small and gradually increase things like how often you do it. Right. Gradually increase the time and then start with those snacks, those little exercise exercise snacks. Snacks, yes. So if 30 minutes sounds too daunting, just like, oh, I don't want to do 30 minutes. Do 10. Do five even. Do something, yep. right? So fit it in how you can. And then my other big tip with structured exercise, combine it with something else that you enjoy doing. You know, so I like to do it while I watch TV. Do it while you listen to the Queen of Hearts podcast. Yes. Or if you're walking outside, listen to podcasts. Yeah. Preferably the Queen of Hearts, but right, any kind of podcast will do. All right. And then last tip there with exercise, make it fun. It's got to be stuff you'll mostly like to do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes it a little easier if you're enjoying yourself. I mean, I can't guarantee it's always going to be fun, but make of sure course. you're doing things that, you know, think are kind of fun. Dance in your living room if you need to. 
It's getting cold outside. Go ice skating. There you go. Try something new. And my last tip, the fifth one, Mm -hmm. because we talked, remember how we talked about how muscle mass tends to go down? Right, yep. We got to build up that lean muscle mass, ladies, okay? Mm -hmm. And this helps keep our resting metabolic rate, that burn rate, how many calories we burn each day. It keeps it up there as we get older because it will drop a little bit each decade. Yeah. So different things you can do here. Certainly you can lift weights. You can do different resistance exercises body weight exercises where you're using your own body weight yep and the goal here is that you're trying to do this at least two or three days a week where you're working multiple muscle groups yes and you know what hmm this is also good for your bones. Oh, yep. That's a big bonus. Bonus. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know I did that. Yeah. Ooh, bonus. I yes, like because your risk of osteoporosis and stuff keeps going up with this transition as well. Oh. So it's just another thing we have to think about. So, right? you know, a two birds situation right. with this I mean, one. I've seen multiple studies, too. This does concern me, too, because I'm already at risk probably for osteoporosis. Yeah you know being a short white woman Mm -hmm. so they found in many studies that your bone density rapidly starts to decrease those few years before menopause and then the few years after so guess what you know that exercise is going to help keep that weight off we don't want Mm -hmm. and it's going to keep our bones nice and strong yeah all right well, we hope we've inspired all of you ladies out there to be proactive when it comes to weight management, no matter what stage of life you are mm-hmm. in. Before menopause is a great time to make lifestyle changes to keep weight in check to protect your overall health and your heart for the long haul. Yes. Check out the Karen Yant Center website and Pinterest page for heart-healthy recipes. Our Karen Yant Center YouTube channel for cooking videos mm-hmm. and a lot of other informational videos on there too and join our conversation by leaving a comment on the KYC YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. Spread the word about the Queen of Hearts podcast on your social media and while you're at it, tell a friend. Thank you for listening today, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyantcenter.org, like us on Facebook at Karen Yant Center, and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, ladies, be ruler of your own heart.